I wanted to title today's message, Lifting Us Up. Psalm 40 is, it's David essentially reaching out and he's not battling anymore against nations. He's not battling against some outside force. How appropriate. He is battling an internal struggle in Psalm 40. Like he's battling his own anxiety, like his own negative thoughts, uh, maybe even depression. And he's, I want us to tune into this and say, and if you're in a place, I don't know where you are right now. If you're in a place, if we're in a place, I'll share with you when I'm in a place, even as someone who loves God and loves others, when I'm in a place where I'm battling like negative thoughts going on in my, my head, just anxiety in my heart, this, this scripture actually gives me hope. So let me start and I'll read Psalm 41. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and sat my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. I waited patiently for the Lord. So the first point we want to talk about, it's actually where we ended last week, but it's again, it's important. Wait on the Lord. Like, wait on the Lord. Like most of the messes that we get into in life and in our heart and in our heads, is when even those of us who are praying and seeking God and wanting an answer in His Word, is when we bounce out and just decide, I'm going to do this and God, hopefully you're with me, right? Like anytime we try to take things into our own hands, anytime we try to control anything or anyone, instead of just waiting on God, like we're going to learn a pretty quick lesson. We're going to learn that we are made to be overwhelmed at times and the seas can overtake us if we don't wait on Him. Because what, what I think God's constantly like pointing this out to me, Larry, when you take things in your own hands, and when you go out and you get ahead of me, or you're not with me, like life gets exponentially harder. And I think that's even a lesson that we're learning in our country right now. Like what we learned last week, choose to sin, choose to suffer. Like we may have chosen to sin so many years ago. You know, bringing in slavery, like allowing, allowing slavery on the backs of men to support what? Our tobacco industry, our agriculture industry, our, like you name it. Like when we chose that as a country of leaders, we chose to sin and eventually, and we chose to suffer. And I, as a man, as a mere human, can't pretend to know what the extent of that suffering is, right? Like, I don't get to define the window of suffering and non-suffering for sin. Like, that's a, a consequence and a direct result when we choose to not wait on God and not live in His will. This isn't meant to be a political message. I'm just kind of bringing back the last few weeks of what we've talked about. I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out from the miry bog. And He set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. What's cool is the Word says, and He reminded me of this like a hundred times this week, He drew me up. Like He set my feet on the rock. Like He protected me. Like, he, like it's trying to say, God is at work, and you're not going to be able to pull yourself out of this. Like each of us in our own hearts, right? We're not going to be able to pull ourselves out of these situations that we'd so desperately want out of. 
or through. Sometimes it's God and God alone to say, I've got you and I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to put your feet on the rock. If God is for us, then who can be against us? I love that Scripture. I love that truth. It, it helps remind us, don't doubt. Don't fear. Wait in peace. And so we're at, a, we're at a time of waiting, right? How many in this room are waiting on something to happen? Like talking to each of you, I think everybody's in a holding pattern right now. And that is no coincidence. I think each of us are in a holding pattern for this next thing in our life that we're hopeful for, that we're dreaming of. And often that tells me what? Like, I'm not going to be happy until what? I get to this next step. Like, I'm not going to be happy until this pandemic thing is over. Like, I'm not going to be happy until, like, you, you, put, you put it on there. Like, I'm not going to be happy or, or peaceful until my kids are back in my own care. Like, they're in Austin, Texas right now. And, you know, Chloe's not feeling well right now. Imagine the things that are going through my head and heart. But I think the trick in this whole Christian life, the principle that keeps coming back is, no, Larry, wait on me. Like, I'm at work. You can trust me. And the only way you're going to have peace, the only way we're going to have peace is not at that next step. Like, that's actually a myth. When I get here, I'll be happy. When I get this, I'll be satisfied. Think about our retirement funds, right? When I finally get to this number, I can retire and be excited and be happy. I've had so many people in life tell me once they get to that spot, unhappiness overwhelms them because they always thought that's what was going to give them security and happiness. It's the same thing in Hollywood. If we, if we read Hollywood stories, many of them struggle with, with the definition of success and I've made it. And what does money do oftentimes? It gives us access to things that we, we don't have the character to, have, to be able to have access to. And they find this world of, I thought I was going to be happy once I got here. Back to the point, wait on the Lord. I believe that we can have peace and joy like right now in the waiting. I think once we decide and find that peace and that joy in the waiting, I think we've found something in the blueprint of life. I think we've found the true joy and peace that comes from like, just knowing that God is in control and that His peace passes, surpasses all understanding, right? Let me keep going. Psalm 43. This one I'm excited about. And I hope that you will be too. He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. He put a new song in my mouth, a song to praise God. And I, I just want to tell you, it's legit and real for me this week. Like, I've had a couple of weeks where I've ridden the roller coaster of emotion. Like, I'll be, I'll be honest. And I've allowed this pandemic, <clears throat> and I've allowed not seeing the people that I love and have had friendships with since we got here. Um, and I've allowed those, those kind of things creep in my heart to say, where, where is everyone right now? Like, where is their heart? 
You know, I want to hang out. Like, I want to do life. And if you're like me, you're probably missing relationships also. You're probably missing normalcy. Like, I think every one of us, our, our definition for normal life has just been blown up. <laughs> like, our, there's been so much change in our own church, either purposefully or unintentionally, however it happened. There's been so much change even in our own church over the last nine and ten months. And I have to say, probably every one of us is wanting to reach back into the past and say, if I could just have this back, if I could have these relationships back, if I could have normalcy back, I think God's saying, guys, I am trying to put a new song in your mouths and hearts. Like, I'm trying to, I want you to trust and wait on me and me alone. Like once, and it doesn't mean we can't have all the other stuff, right? It doesn't mean we can't have retirement. It doesn't mean we can't have fun. And it doesn't mean we can't have, it's just, God's just trying to say, I want to be first and foremost and me alone. And then you can, you can have everything else. He put a new song in my mouth. So he's asking, I believe, and this is the next point. He is asking, will I humble myself and trust him? Like I, I think I posted on social media this week because I was having one of those mornings where I again had to humble myself, which happens quite a bit when you're opinionated. And, and I'm a choleric personality, which means I'm a challenge personality. And um, you may not know that about me yet. I, several on our team already know that about me. I'm a challenge personality. I'm super black and white, which means I have a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts and I want to see action. Every now and then, God allows me to run right into a brick wall. And He says, Larry, like I love you, but you're completely wrong about that. And, and I'm going to let you run into the wall. It's your, this is what I love to say, especially to, to, to new team members who are finding out what new values are. It's our choice whether we run into that wall at 5 miles an hour or 100 miles an hour. Either way, you're going to run into the wall. The question is, like... You could, you could be a little bit easier as you run into those walls if you're, if you're humble about it. If you say, God, I trust you. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to listen to my wise counselors around me, my friends. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust Him even above myself. Even above my own thoughts and my own heart, right? Because Scripture says what about our hearts? They're deceiving. They're super deceiving. All right, let's keep going. I found a really great quote this week. James Reed, he's, I believe, speaking to me at least right now and hopefully in, to you in this quote. He says, the way out of life's frustrations, who wants a way out of life's frustrations right now, right? The way out of life's frustrations is found not by resenting our limitation, but by accepting the place of frustration as the sphere of God's purpose. Like every now and then, God does allow things in our life to be bigger than we can control. He does allow things that potentially could overwhelm us with anxiety and stress and worry. But what? But the question is, why does He allow us? Why does He allow us to stay in that? Like, why does He allow us to even have to go through those trials? And I think it's so that we can. Truly, once again, like I've had to learn this lesson how many? A thousand times? Maybe a thousand one now? I hate to admit. Like that He's the only way through it. 
He's the only way through it. My favorite scripture, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, I've quoted it a ton of time to you guys. You will keep those in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you, or it says is steadfast, because they trust in you. The Lord God, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord Himself is the rock eternal. He will keep us in perfect peace when we stay focused on Him. Right? So I'm getting this last conference call with our two of our medical leaders, and Steve Paulson is one of the leaders in our church was on that call. We asked some tough questions, had some hard conversations. Like, you know, we are Monday morning quarterbacked, like all the decisions that have been made till now. You know, I wish that we could have locked down today instead of five months ago, right? You know, and but there's wisdom because it said, well, because we locked down, maybe we've truly did flatten the curve in our community, right? It's like, and so take all the politics out of these conversations. Actually, I think politics is the most detrimental thing in our country, right? The second, it's actually confusing us from having factual, true conversation. And, and here's the big one, and trusting, right? Trusting one another. But again, God doesn't say you have to trust each other. He says what? Trust me. Like, trust me. And I still believe in the, in the truth of God's Word. I still believe in wise counsel from Christian men and women who are following Him in His Word. And I believe that just because I'm a pastor of a church doesn't mean I have any or all of the answers. And quite frankly, we'll be wrong at least 50% of the time. Like we can flip a coin. Like I believe that God says we need wise counsel. That we need one another. Alright, let me keep going. Ephesians 6.12 also says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in, every, in the heavenly realms. He's reminding us, guys, in this time where, you know, think about growing up. How many fights did you, did you get into if you had brothers and sisters, you know, or if you have kids? Like, how many fights did you get into with your brothers and sisters? Like, and like, what, what was that animosity like? Was it like level 10 where you're like, you're trying to find the machete? You know, hopefully you had parents at home that, that kept you from doing stuff like that. Like, I'll tell you one story in our own home. So we were raised by a single mom. And so there were three of us kids, which is the perfect number for, um, for just chaos. Because two of the kids are always picking on one. Like, it's just a mathematical formula. I think it's like a phys law of physics. Two of the kids are going to pick on the one, and then one's finally going to lose their mind and come after you. Well, my little sister one time like decided she had enough of being picked on. She came after us with the croquet mallet, and we still remind her of this to this day. And she beat down the bathroom door where my, my older sister and I were. And like we didn't have cell phones back then. Like we couldn't call mom and say, oh, we, we might have taken it too far with uh, Nikki. You know, now she's trying to kill us. And thankfully we were all alive when mom got home. Um, this is back in the day when, when you could be beat like profusely with a belt or a stick or whatever it was. So mom took care of business, you know. She cleaned up around house and um, and we lived with this this tortured, beaten down door for a, a very long time. Like, my point is, it's like, it is so easy for us to see each other as the enemy. Like, it is so easy, like back in the day, for, for us to make our little sister like the enemy. 
and she to make us the enemy. Like even one of our favorite games, we, we were pretty different kids. One of our favorite, because we were left our own devices, like we had no parental guidance. One of our favorite games was Prisoner of War. I mean, talk about fun, right? Like bamboo sticks, like eight feet long, three feet long. And the whole point was if you got caught, you had to stay in the top of a tree for the rest of the day. And if you came down out of that tree, you, like, you would get beat by these sticks. Like, we're, as humans, we are really good at making each other the enemy. And I know, I'm, I, hopefully you had similar childhoods. If you didn't, then I'm sorry. You missed out. You missed out on some incredible adventures. We had a lot of fun too, by the way. But my point is, like, we as humans, we make each other the enemy so quickly, right? We just do. Because we want to have an explanation of why do I feel this way? It must be your fault. Like, why do I feel this way? It must be because of the thing that you did. Right? And let me just say, that might be a little bit of it. But more than anything, let me read this again. Ephesians 6.12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. Remind yourself in the workplace, in your marriages, in your families, in the community, when somebody wants to debate whether we should be wearing masks or not, whether this virus is a hoax or real, like it's before you start debating and wanting to feel right, think I maybe, just maybe, we're in the middle of spiritual warfare. And, and here's the question I'll probably be asking for the next year. And what is, what is my part as a son or daughter of God in a, in a season of spiritual warfare? Like, what is my part against my brother and my sister? Whether it's figuratively or literally my little sister Nikki who's bringing a croquet ballot, you know, croquet mallet after me. No, but literally, like, what's my part? And, and even this morning, I texted a bunch of um, friends and even leaders in the community, and I said, praying for you. I'm encouraged by what God's doing in your life. Like, I believe big things, and I believe He wants to use you. I'm finally at the point where I'm willing to say, there is spiritual warfare going on. And I'm not going to take part in, in, in the human flesh side of it. Like, I'm going to take a step forward in the spiritual warfare and say, God, I'm for you and I trust you. And I'm, I'm humbling myself once again. And I believe that you're, doing, you're going to do something good out of all of this. Proverbs 18, 20, 21. This is a reminder for those of us who are very expressive in what to do in this time. From the fruit of our mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue, and catch this part, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So if you're like me, like I'm an external processor, so 98% of the thoughts in my head are coming out in my words, which is good and bad. See, I tell people, the good part of that is at least you know where I stand. Like, you'll always know where I stand. I'm not going to hide my feelings or my thoughts. Like, I'm going to tell you where I stand. Who's like that? Who, who like speaks and then regrets later and has to ask for forgiveness a lot? So there's at least there's three of us in the room that admit it. I don't know if the rest of you guys are just hiding right now. So when I speak, like 50% of the time, I have to ask for forgiveness. 
And because of Christ, like it's, I'm improving. Like I'll say I'm improving little by little. And there's some of us who just think it, who don't speak it. And you're a little bit more wise. But I'd say even if you're thinking it and it's rattling around in your head for a long period of time, it's just as dangerous. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who live Love it will eat its fruit. Let me encourage you, even through my own experiences and imperfections, let's catch ourselves and control the power of our tongues towards our friends, towards our community members, towards our kids, right? Towards our spouse, towards ourselves, brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, one thing I know for sure about those of us who end up here in Kodiak is we have opinions, right? We have opinions about paint colors. We have opinions about fence material. Like we have opinions about masks and no masks. Like I think the good thing about social media is that we all get to have opinions. The bad thing about social media is that we all have opinions and we air them daily. And I think as a society, we're going to learn this huge lesson to say there is power in those words of life and death. My encouragement to us is let's continue to focus on what is true, what is right, what is lovely. Let, let's dwell in this. And it's, it's kind of a quick question for you. Like, what's in my heart right now? Do, do I have peace? Do I have anxiety? Do it, I mean, in our country, do I have hate? I see it all across. Do I have love? Do I have fear or worry? Or do I have what we're talking about this morning? Have I humbled myself to say, God, I trust you. I want your peace. Like, I want your peace. Let's continue to dwell in God's peace. Let's continue to expect and thank Him for the new song. Like the new song that He's developing in our own hearts, in our mouths, in this church, in our community. Like, I believe if we'll look for it, if we'll step into it, there is a new song happening. I believe that anybody who claims to be a man and woman of God, a child of God, can take a moment and get in His Word and pray and go, God, help me humble myself and see Your new song happening. And help me be a part of it, like however You want me to be a part of it. I believe He's invited 100% of us to be a part of this new song. So Psalm 45, let me keep going. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, Your wondrous deeds and Your thoughts toward us. None can compare with You. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than that can be told. So one of my favorite things, I don't know if you've had a trying week like me or months, but one of my favorite things that I learned in men's ministry at some point, and this was for me personally, uh, I believe it was eight years into my marriage, maybe ten, and I was, Myra and I were at the point where we just, we, we couldn't stand each other. We didn't like each other. Like everything, everything in our marriage was hard. We'd been grieving and going through a ton of big things. And I finally, I made myself go to this thing called Authentic Manhood to this men's ministry breakfast gathering. It was like 6.30 a.m. Coffee was fresh. It was super early for a young guy. But I showed up and I remember one of those lessons early on said, I want you to write down 10 things that you love about and you appreciate about your spouse. Like write down 10 things that you're thankful for. And I'll admit, that first day that I went to that breakfast, I could, I could barely write down one. 
And you guys know Myra. She's amazing. She's an amazing woman. But I was in a point in my heart where my list was not thankfulness. It was, it was like resentfulness and bitterness. And I was stewing in it. And everything was her fault, you know. Have you, have you caught yourself there in the last six months? Not with, maybe not with your spouse. Maybe with what we see on the social media. Our government. I told like three people last week I was frustrated with our government. Like just, just. But here's a test for all of us. This week, I just want to challenge you. Spend some time in the Word and prayer. And write down ten things that you're thankful for. That you see God doing. Like just write down ten things that you're thankful for. Especially for those of you that are carrying around some bitterness and resentfulness. Those of us. Like it's especially important important to say, God, if I'm humbling myself and I'm trusting you, this is a physical, very physical and spiritual way to submit and go, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm because God will give you the true and what's right and what's good. He will give He will remind you of the things that He's thankful for. I'm standing before you today. I came from a family that probably taught me every wrong way to have a relationship. And I am so thankful that I survived that home, at least physically, right? I'm so thankful that through Scripture and through brotherly friendships and accountability that I am learning how to grow as a, as a man and as a brother and as a leader spiritually. Like I'm, I'm actually thankful looking back to say, God, You protected us kids. I mean, you protected us in the midst of a storm, in the midst of, of, and I've shared with you guys before, in my home, my stepfather chose alcohol abuse, drug abuse, like all, you name it, like he brought it into our home. And it is only by the grace of God that we, and half of us are in ministry now, that we were able to walk out of that home and still know and believe that God loved us. To still know and believe, and here's what's wild, that God loves both of my parents. And still to know and believe, like we're talking about every week here, that Jesus died for them just as well as He died for me. Just as well as He died for those who didn't have the crazy home life that we did. That every single one of us are in the same boat, even though the circumstance looks different. This is what the Scripture is talking about. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, Your wondrous deeds and Your thoughts towards us. He loves us. God loves us way more than we know. Like David's trying to remember the time of the Israelites when they, when they defeated all of the nations. Like David's trying to remember and recall that God like came, He presented Himself to Moses. Like He constantly brought truth and love and, and direction to His people. He's constantly working and performing miracles for us, even in this day and age. Like he's constantly trying to remind us, and we what we so easily forget, like what he did yesterday. Like we so easily forget the miracles and the divine direction that he gave us yesterday because we're what? We're focused on what that thing, that point of happiness, that point of success. And I'm just trying to remind us as a church to say, no, just be thankful. Like, stop right now and be thankful. Be thankful for how good it is. Be thankful for all of His deeds. 
and be trusting and be humble that He's got more just ahead. God is at work redeeming the world to Himself. He sent His one and only Son to die for us. To die for all of us. I love that reminder. And here's a reminder, especially now, and I actually was very passionate, a little bit frustrated about it last week, I'll be honest. His primary vehicle for this is Jesus Christ, but it's also His church. Like, there is one hope for the world. For everyone that's seeking hope, that's looking for hope, there's literally just one. It's the sacrifice of Christ. That He died on the cross and He rose again for all of us. Like, He came into this fallen world. And we gloss over it so much as Christians because we've heard it like a million times. But He came to this fallen world. And I always like to say this, when He could have just wiped us all out. Like, he literally could have just like thumped us off the earth right at that moment and say, no, you guys got it wrong again. Like, I'm done. But he didn't. He said, no, it's, it's my grace and my love. And everyone will have a, a time and a moment where, where they intersect with it and it becomes real. I don't know if it's today. It might be 30 years from now. But I believe every single one of us will get to the point where we get to see and acknowledge, oh, wow, like this is real. He did it for me. His primary vehicle is the church, the people that Christ, He said, now I want you to go and, sh- and make disciples. I want you to go and share with all the nations and baptize in My name. Right? I want you to go to share the good news. What I like to say, the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. There's some of us in our community that don't believe in that. They believe He's a good man. They believe because it's it's hard to believe, right? Like that's the faith part. It's hard to believe unless you were there. And I even like to say, his own brother James was not ready to believe until when, until Christ died and he rose again and appeared in his heavenly body, and he said, "I'm here," and you're seeing it. And James, his own brother, finally said, "I believe," like I've seen it. Those that choose to follow Christ, to share this good news, this life-changing reality, are His church. We are what's true and right and lovely. Like, and here's a reminder, it's not because of anything that we do. Like, we are so imperfect. We are true and right and lovely because God is true and right and lovely and because of His grace and grace alone. Like, if we look at each other, we are sinful, imperfect like corrupt people and we all have our good days and bad days but what makes us different as christians is not that we're perfect what makes us different is that we had a jesus who died for us that is perfect and that we said you know what it's by his grace and his grace alone that i'm able to stand on this stage and share the truth of his word it's by his grace and his grace alone that, that brothers and sisters, that each of in, the, in this room are able to say, I'm a Christian. Like I'm a Christ follower. So this last one, He is building His church. He is building His church. One of my favorite Scriptures, and you can call it a, a get-out-of-jail-free card, but one of my favorite Scriptures is Matthew 16-18. It says, And I tell you, you are Peter, And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it. 
on this rock, I will build my church. I mean, think about it again. Even in the psalm, we see it. He says, He will lift you up. Like, He will put your feet on, on, a, on a solid foundation. In this Scripture, He's saying, I will build my church. Like, God, God is at work building His church, building you and me. He's building us to do His work. What's cool about that is I get to, I get to take a little bit of pressure off of myself and say, it's not my responsibility to build the church. Us as leaders, it's not our responsibility to hold, hold this thing up and say it's, it's counting on us on our shoulders. We have a big part of it, but God has promised to build His church. Even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of an economic shutdown, like even in the midst of, of polarizing chaos across our nation, like, I believe every Christian leader, especially every pastor, let me just ask for you guys to pray for pastors across our nation. Like, so many are battling anxiety and stress, and because God is reminding even us, like, you're not in control. Like, I am building my church. You can trust me. There's nothing we can do. Here's the good news there's nothing we can do to stop this work. And what's exciting? Here's what's exciting. No matter where you are, literally no matter where you are, He's inviting you to be a part of His church. No matter where you are. Like there's no, there's no difference between you and me. I love to say that. Like there's no difference between you and me. Matter of fact, 10 years ago, I was scared to death, maybe even five years ago, scared to death to talk in front of people. Like scared to death. And we have nervous breakdowns about it. There's no difference between us except I finally said, I believe that your son died on the cross and I'm ready to tell everybody. Like, I believe that you're building your church and I believe that you're calling us to be a part of it. Whether you're 15 years old, 50, 80, like I believe he's calling us in this day and age. And I'm not going to say we're in the middle of the end times. I'm not ready to have like the whole end times conversation yet, even though like everything that you see right now looks like we are. Um, you can make a very easy case right now to say that we are. But what I am sure of 100%, everybody in this room, everybody that's listening to this message, He's calling us to be a part of this thing called church, to share the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ for our students in school, for our Coast Guard community, for our medical community. And pray for our medical community. I think they're taking it on the chin, chin right now, regardless of what they do. I even gave them a hard time this week and, and said, just, just give me the truth and, and, and speak factually because I'm just looking for facts right now. Be in prayer. All right, so let's get to the finish line. Psalm 46. Psalm 40, verse 6. In the sacrifice and offering that you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear and have dug for me. Burnt offering and sin offering, you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written, I will delight to do your will, O God. Your law is written on my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance and righteousness to the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I believe God is telling us, He's saying, tell of the news of how 
He has rescued you. Tell of the news how He has rescued each of you. Like at some point, I hope every person and every couple in our church says, yes, I want to share my story. Like we had Steve and Britt like several months ago. And it actually, I've seen it change other couples' lives already. Share the story of, this is who I was, but God got a hold of me, and now. And it doesn't have to be some crazy, heart-wrenching story like some of us have. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, before God I was grew up in this crazy drug-infested home and, and He rescued me out of that. Like that's my story. Like he's, He wants to use every single person in this room, man and woman, as leaders of His church to say, no, I'm, I'm asking you to share the news of what God has done in your life. And here's the truth of it. Like, I don't know, what, what do you guys think? I mean, even those of you in high school or college right now, like, we want to we know that people are real. Like, we want to know that people are going to tell the truth and they're going to be transparent and they're not going to pretend like everything's just fine, right? Like, we want to hear the truth. We want to know if you saw God work in your life and it was real, like, I want to know about it. Let me encourage you guys in that tell of the news. So let me invite Meredith and Anderson back up as we conclude our service. And I'll finish this last scripture. Thank you guys for letting me just continue on. I guess it's just 12, 12.05. I can't, I can't see that well anymore. <laughs> We're going to get a big red like a digital clock. so I can. Psalm 40.10 says, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Then I'll read it one more time and then we'll pray. I have not hidden your deliverance from my heart. I have not spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. If God has rescued you, I just I want to encourage each of you, even pray for one opportunity this week to share with one person. Right? Let's try to get our, our minds off of what's happening across the nation. Let's try to get off our minds out of what we see in our own community as we likely will ramp up for security, for precaution. Let's, let's rather focus our hearts on what we're thankful for. Let's focus our hearts on what we see God doing. And even our own stories, right? Let's, let's say, God, like, remind me of what you did for me. And let me share that with just one other person this week. I believe now more than ever, like 100%, I wish I could say 1,000%, but God is calling us. He really is. He's calling us to say, I want to encourage your neighbors. I want to encourage your coworkers. Like, I want to encourage so many that don't have hope right now because they don't believe in what Christ did. Even fellow Christians, you know, brothers and sisters, I believe now more than ever we need to encourage one another 
I had a little breakdown moment last week because I realized the enormity of the situation of if we lock down again, even if for another three months, five months, six months, that it's going to take all of us as the church reaching out to one another. You know, I'm, I just want you to know as a pastor, I'm, I'm wearing that burden right now of knowing that I, I want to reach out, that we have to reach out. But the sheer number of people in our community and in our church, it's way bigger than one person, right? So it's going to take each of us to pray for one another, to encourage one another, um, to be there for one another. Uh, and I'll say especially when we don't feel like it because, because it's, all, it's coming at us. So if you guys will stand, I'll pray. Father, I love You. We love You. And I thank You that we've had time to just come together and worship You. Father, we trust You. We give You all of our hearts. God, Father, we have so much to be thankful for. If only the fact that You love us, You give us Your grace, Your Son died for us. For those in the room that haven't given their life, to Christ, for those that are listening online that have not decided that they believe in this life-changing reality of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray that You wrap Your arms around them and, and You make Yourself real to them. For those of us who said, I believe, it's taken all the faith that I have, but I believe. Father, I pray that You continue to lift us up and show us the work that You'd have us to do. Let us continue to forgive 70 times 7. Let us continue to trust You even though everything else around us seems to be failing. Father, I thank You for the days of celebration that we have. I thank You for our church. I thank You that Your love never ends. In Jesus' name, Amen.